sippy a little. Are those some hot beverages? You guys have some hot toddies that you're sipping on? Oh, Ooh, so delicious. This cold brews. It's scalding. It's getting it's getting cold outside, so we want to stay warm and snuggly inside. Which is why, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, it has already happened. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> right around for right around the corner at the time of recording of this. Um, but it's long since passed, and family relationships have broken apart. But that doesn't mean we still can't be thankful for the movies and parentheses for Lindsay television. We like to watch um, during the holiday season. Um, so I uh, wanted to bring you guys on. And uh, we can just go around the horn and talk about movies and things that we, we like watching on that well, that wonderful four-day break. Not even just that. But these are just movies that we're thankful for because they've shaped us in some way. Maybe helped us through a tough time. Helped mm-hmm. us make a new friend. Maybe I inspired us. Body. Wait, 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 wait. I thought it was only films that we've watched on Thanksgiving with our families. No. No, that no. was never the prompt. Okay, well, <gasps> sorry. My list sorry. is the same. Well, <laughs> before we jump into our list, I want to introduce the guests this week. I am your host, James Willems. Uh, and then sitting next to me is the esteemed Elise Willems. Hey, thanks for having oh, me. You didn't have a choice. So, <laughs> um, We also have John Smith from, his, from his bedroom. That's me. And... Uh, and then, and of course, Lindsay Washburn. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, guys. So we'll get we'll get into it a little bit more detail, but we basically sent around a doc where we could put in our movies that we're thankful for. And Always there comes was back to the doc. A spot mm-hmm. for five five films that we we could probably go around the horn and list. And I mean, John's is just one big mess. But Lindsay, what are you, you only got about? two films in. Before you couldn't name any more films, and then just wrote in all caps the word musicals. So yeah. maybe we should start oh, there. Oh, too much spoiler. Yeah, James, you're giving a lot away. I well, think I we just get to it. Or at least this is full of horror movies. It's what she's thankful for. Okay, it shaped her. Go. Trust me, it shaped her when Mine's she wakes not. up at two a.m. screaming. I don't scream. Lindsay, let's jump. Let's jump right into your, one of yours, which is musicals. Musicals. In all caps. Yeah. yeah. I love musicals. I couldn't pick one because there's a lot that I like. And I didn't want to just say, oh, just Moulin Rouge. But that was the one that I was going to put. But then I was like, you know, I'm going to expand that because I really enjoy and appreciate a good musical, theatrical film mm-hmm. experience. So so good friend of the show um, and uh, co-founder of Funhouse. John Leguizamo? Joel Rubin. Oh. Yeah. John Leguizamo. Johnny Legs. Um, oh, John Le- uh, Joel Rubin has often stated in the past that he's not a fan of jukebox musicals. No, and he looks down on us when we reference one. He he is not a fan of jukebox musicals, which is a term that I've only ever heard him use. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure what that term means. It's a, it's a musical, I believe it is a musical after the fact. So it's a musical that uses like known Established songs, music, right? yeah. Established and known music. So like a Mamma Mia, if you will. So he Mamma hates is his Across the Universe. Hit. Beatles music, probably. Well, who does? Probably he, or at least he doesn't hold it as an in as high regard as he does other things like Oklahoma or sure, hooray, Rogers Hammerstein. So, great best musical. Um, but uh, he has said that he anytime he mentions that, I go, well, what about Moulin Rouge? And he goes, hmm, and then he makes a face and accepts it. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty good musical. It's pretty good musical. It's I think it's a great film in terms of bridging that gap too for just in general. I think there's a lot of people that don't like musicals or think 
they think they don't like musicals and then they and then they watch Moulin Rouge and they go oh I kind of love that yeah it's great are we allowed to give our opinions or do we just say I'm glad you're thankful for that movie you can (laughs) can give give your opinion opinion. on musicals um I mean there are musicals I enjoy Moulin Rouge the aesthetic of it gave me nightmares Oh really? Okay. Yeah. That's like one of okay. my favorite like, things about it is how highly stylized it is. Yeah. Woo, yeah. Like it just the like it is. anything that's like that circusy. Type it's very circus. Thing, yeah. That yeah. I yeah, can't because it. it's it's, it's very Art Nouveau, but then it's also psychedelic. Yeah. Well, c- and because the, the editing, manic. the editing is um, something that I always really loved about it, and is one of the reasons why I wanted to like get into editing because I was like whoa what's happening oh like this is cut with that and oh what there's weird effects and oh it's doing this weird transition it's one of my favorites but i i i think that it is a refreshing look on that parisian time period though Mm -hmm. yeah because so anytime they show anything else it's like paris is the city of lights and it's like one of the best cities in the history of humanity Mm mm-hmm but, like, so often you see it, like, whether or not it's Les Miserables or, like, any of these things. And it seems so drab. Like, yeah. because... Really? Because, yeah, I feel like it does. Because I've... it's either either you see the rich perspective of Paris, which is, like, the uh, Marie Antoinette's and stuff like that. Sure. Or you see the people who are in the bottom, like, living <laughs> in the sewers. And so Moulin Rouge is, like, the one... Where you see like the middle class uh, of Paris for me. Like, I guess I just think of like La Belle Epoque and it's like, oh, these these artists and these vagrants and they they're so full of dreams and whimsy and they don't live the their mundane lives. Even if they are in the gutter, they're looking at the stars. Like I just feel romanticized like version of poverty. Yeah. But I feel like <laughs> yeah. I mean that's what this is. I'm but penniless I feel like writer. M- yeah, that's Moulin Rouge. Yeah. French, and that's your French accent. <laughs> oh, that's my Hugh McGregor accent. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like most movies show Paris as this like drab place where it's like, despite the fact that it's so shitty, I'm an artist and I can look past it. This is the one like real Paris movie where it feels like it's this brilliant, amazing thing and you see why people see the magic in it, even though he has his tiny loft mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like, and those, uh, John Leguizamo has to walk on his knees, you know. They have nothing, yeah. but they still, you see why they're so enamored with the city. Any Wait. any other commentary on musicals, Lindsay? I was just going to say, my final thought is, I, I really just appreciate the marriage of, like, music and, like, you know, film, cinema, and the way they can you know, evoke certain feelings. And my one honorable mention, which is a TV show, but it's a musical TV show. It's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's like four seasons long. It's like four seasons worth of musical television. It's so good. Not selling me on it. Oh my God. <laughs> I just want you to watch it so bad. I just want you to I watch did. it. Lindsay. I watched the pilot. I just, it, I know I probably need to, to watch more to get into it. John? I was going to say, that's like me when I discovered that K-dramas are like 16-hour rom-coms. Where it's like, it's this thing that I love just stretched out. Almost too far. I was like, (laughs) sometimes you don't want more. It's a comedy, so it's funny. It's meant to be funny and evoke emotion at the same time. Same as the Mm K-dramas. So one scene, someone's getting their heart broken. The other scene, it's there's the Opa is just acting a fool. Classic. We spent eight minutes Wacky. talking about musicals, so we're gonna get through <laughs> well, some right. of the titles. We only really talked about one of them. 
All right. Does anyone else want to jump in with one of theirs? Anyone? We have plenty to discuss. Plenty. So. James, why are you? <gasps> okay. Um, I will toss out Shawshank Redemption as as a movie. I, I'm thankful for it, number That's one. That's not a musical. Because, oh, sorry. It's not <laughs> a musical. You're right. Because, uh, like, again, I think about those four days. You get those four days off for Thanksgiving and uh, in America, at least. And it's like so needed. I feel like they're it's like if it was in, if you were in school, this is like your first real break from having been back at school. That if you're working, it's who knows the last time you were able to get that much time off. Mm -hmm. And so so you, you need this time. But then you realize you don't know what to do at the time. And I just remember the old like going home to visit my parents or or being just home from school and like trying to put something on TV and if you found Shawshank Redemption, you were like, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing film. It doesn't matter what part. If you come in in the opening credits in the courtroom, then you're going to sit through the whole thing. If you come in right as he's about to get uh, raped in the in the boiler room, you're going to stay and keep watching through the whole thing. If you come in the part where they're uh, cleaning this, the roof, they're retarring the roof, you're going to watch the whole thing. And it ends up with commercials. It fills hours. And it's just so good. I know it's a movie about prison, but it is a movie makes about hope. Makes you thankful hope. you're not in prison. It makes you thankful you're not in prison, but it's also a movie about hope mm -hmm. and an unconventional family. And it's just, it's a beautiful, wonderful, perfect film in a lot of ways. So I, I think you're, I, I agree with you, James. There's like so few films that feel almost like perfectly crafted. Um, like other ones that come to mind are uh, Silence of the Lambs and The Incredibles. Um, okay. those yeah, are two yeah. where it's like where are the flaws um, mm -hmm. but uh, I in that same regard of always being on TV for me that was High Fidelity that's a movie that like I've watched so many mm. times at home with my parents like home from school or you know smoking doobies after college class you know what I'm saying no. getting a doob but I mean you know it's yeah I totally agree with you on that and so criminal that we're not getting a second season <laughs> of the Hulu show I was terrified Mm-hmm. Yeah. So criminal. Well, I, I know, Elise. Lindsay won't even watch it. Lindsay, please. <gasps> it's on my li list. It's gonna be such a delightful experience for you. Hmm, I feel like I, I just said that about it. a certain show to you. Did you know wait, Lindsay, did you know that it's a musical? <laughs> it's music-ish. It's music-ish. Yeah, I know. I, I think what you mentioned high fidelity which is is great i think that a cool thing that we may lose in the future when people are streaming everything and everything is a conscious choice to watch from beginning to end that like syndication thing both shawshank and high fidelity based on books that seem to appreciate the chapterization of a film right like High Fidelity has those things where, like, you don't necessarily have to come in at the beginning of the film to be able to watch it through. Like, you, as long as you catch it after a commercial break. Got enough at, context. Like, one of those chapter markers where it's like, now I'm moving on to the next girlfriend or whatever. Like, the next ex. You feel like you want to keep watching it. Mm -hmm. So, it is it is interesting. And I wonder if we're going to see less, less movies are going to be made that way, probably. Where it has to be one coherent thing that hooks you from beginning to end because people aren't going to be watching things in syndication as much it's going to go to streaming oh i so. thought you were mm -hmm. saying that shawshank redemption was created with the specific intent of being syndicated on television with commercial breaks 
Um, no, no, it wasn't. But honestly, it came out in theaters. It came out in theaters, and no one cared. Mm-hmm. That movie didn't gain any traction until it went into syndication. And yeah. I think part of the reason is because it was made unintentionally with chapter breaks, which lended itself towards syndication. Yeah, you know, totally. So interesting. But yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Shawshank. John. Elise. You got you got some good ones on, on your list. That I do. <laughs> Only the best. Uh-huh. Um, so first for me is um, a movie that shaped my life completely and utterly. Mm-hmm. Tommy Boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy in a little coat. <laughs> um, Richard. Oh, I don't remember any of the quotes. Oh, no, I'm, okay. just, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I was just obsessed with Chris Farley in general. Although, I mean, I, I think all of us, or maybe all of us, I don't know about Lindsay, but uh, the '90s SNL cast: uh, oh, Sandler, yeah. Tim Meadows, uh, mm-hmm. Phil Hartman, Farley, mm-hmm. all those people. The rest. The rest. Mike um, Myers. Oh, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mike Myers. Um, they that was that shaped like, like that and The Simpsons really like mm-hmm. for me at least shaped kind of my sense of humor and my comedy. I guess Mr. Show as well. But um, Tommy Boy really stood out as like just the one of the funniest flipping movies ever for me. Uh, especially mm-hmm. as a kid, laughed my ass off over and over at all the same jokes. Um. David Spade and uh, Chris Farley. What a great duo. Great duo. And and even Black Sheep. Black Sheep is yeah. a black sheep in yeah. the Chris Farley in the Chris Farley resume. It was still a great film. Black Sheep was great. They're in that cabin and the it's fallen. <laughs> you put David Spade and Chris Farley in a car together, you're gonna get some comedy. Okay? No matter where mm-hmm. they end up. And a deer. It's, yeah, it's a tricycle yeah. of dreams right there. I need to it, watch it, Tommy the, Boy. I haven't seen it in like a decade, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's well, been a long great. time. I feel like the way in which, um, the way that John Belushi's death was hard on Dan Aykroyd is the same way that Chris Farley's death was hard on, on David Spade. Oh, right, David Spade. You know, they mm-hmm. were these people that had found their comedic kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then had it ripped away. But oh if God, Chris I'm Farley had lived, we wouldn't have two Joe Dirts. <laughs> So, Ugh. that's not that's important true. to remember. <laughs> Bring me the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Tommy Boy's great. Yeah. Just like, mm-hmm. Tommy, I kind of put Tommy Boy as the uh, poster boy for just that whole genre of comedy mm-hmm. that really helped shape me. You, you, I, wa- you want me to jerk you off? What I, kind I, of motel is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of did the same thing. I put like kind of a comedy grouping on mine, which is... In part because when I was very, very young, my grandfather would come over once or twice a week and he and I always would watch movies together. And it'd be the kind of thing where some, we, we generally comedies, you know, occasionally we would watch maybe an, the animated Robin Hood. Uh, or we, what we would also do is if there was like a new movie coming out that was a reboot of something like a Sergeant Bilko or a Flubber, we would go back and watch the original. So we would watch all the original Sergeant Bilko series, mm. things Wait, like that. Flubber? I need to see the original Flubber. Yeah. it's. I think it was black and white. Um, yeah. 
And but then we also watched a specific type of comedy, which was these very absurdist, um, you know, kind of, you know, your Pink Panthers, stuff like that. We watched Naked Gun Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, Mel Brooks. So it's like, you know, um, uh, Young Frankenstein or um, Spaceballs. No, we didn't watch Spaceballs, but we watched Robin Hood Men in Tights. Men in Tights. Steve yeah, he loves Steve Martin, so we would wa- always watch a ton of Steve Martin movies. And to me, it was kind of like these really absurdist, out there, flipping your expectations jokes and mm-hmm. ca- like comics. And a lot of the time, it was these these characters, these these leading. It was usually like leading men in the, most of these things. But you know, Leslie Nielsen was not your conventional comedic leading man. He was when he was younger. He was kind of like the. Uh, the attractive lead or he was the straight man and then kind of had aged into this goofy persona, Mm -hmm. um, which he did, he delivered so well. Um, and, and like, to me that this was so formative in shaping my comedic sensibilities, Mm -hmm. uh, all these movies. Yeah. I totally get that. You're kind of like a Leslie Nielsen type, but in, uh, wrongfully accused. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more of like a Martin Short in Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We watched. I mean, we also it was also that era of SNL you guys were talking about. My mom would record SNL for uh, Saturday nights and my grandfather and I would watch it on Sunday. So mm-hmm. it was the Dana Carvey mm-hmm. era of SNL. We, and we watched the Dana Carvey show when it aired. Oh, man. Um, but it was the kind <laughs> of thing where I think the, the Dana Carvey show, my grandfather, he didn't really... It was it's too generationally yeah. removed. He loved Dana Carvey on SNL, but there's it was not working. There's always this thing where you have comedians who do comedy in like a very like normal setting. Like SNL is like the most normal place it's to do comedy. Yeah. Yeah. But then you actually and but then they're successful because it's mainstream appeal, right? And then it's like, all right, Dana Carvey, what actually makes you laugh? Because it probably isn't church lady. Or what's on the precipice you know? of comedy that you're just discovering and isn't mainstream yet? Yeah. And so, yeah. And so what, what, because re- I always say that that's the thing about sometimes comedians in a lot of ways is the things that make them laugh aren't necessarily the jokes that they make for the thing that you know them for. Yeah. Because they, that, that's just, that's yeah. just their shtick or whatever. Dude. The things that make them laugh are the things that have to surprise them the way they surprise the people that are watching them in the mainstream way. Right? Yeah, like Bob so Saget to, like, being the dirtiest person in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, st- like this is it, it's got main, more mainstream appeal, um, but like the idea of like watching Tim and Eric or like Eric Andre or like something like sure, that. It's yeah. like if you just took if you just took someone off the street and you made them watch Eric Andre, they'd be like, "What the hell?" But then you show someone who's watched a lot of comedy and they love it. Yeah, because it's something new and exciting, and it's it's a different. Thing. Or you yeah. show someone who's seen the B in Apartment Twenty Three, and they go, <laughs> "Hey, that's that barista guy." <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I also don't know the reference, but I believe it. Hmm. Anybody? Um, anybody? <laughs> nope. Nope. All right, Lindsay, you're up again, right? Oh, sorry, I'm not. James, host. <laughs> All right. All right, John, go ahead and introduce who's up next. All right, Lindsay. Oh, what you got for it? Um. So yeah, it's true. I only had two movies on and on the uh, on my list. I'm just gonna Truth talk about out. them both at the same time, um, right. because oh. they were both. You talk about them separately. No, no, no. I'm because they're both films that I um watched young. I was young when I watched mm-hmm. them in my early teens, and then my teenage years. I watched um 
I'll, I'll just say them both. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is number one because it's the one that made me want to go into film. What is he? Mm, is that good? He's drinking his, he's drinking his cereal milk. Cola. It's it's the it's a one the one of the films that I saw it was right around when I was applying for colleges and I had to write papers about films to get like essays to get into film school. So I wrote papers about Eternal Sunshine. Um, mm. It's just one of my favorite films. Hits all those feels. When I'm feeling blue, I'll watch Eternal Sunshine. If I'm feeling happy and I need to come back down, I'll watch Eternal Sunshine. Um, and my other, f- one of my favorite films of all time, which I think I already <laughs> talked about on an episode of this podcast, is You've Got Mail. It's just my favorite go-to feel-good rom-com. Tom Hanks, uh, fucking... Hottest he's ever been. <laughs> Hottest he's ever been. So bangable. NY152. And um, what the heck? I'm totally space. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Ryan. I was like, Mel. Steve, <laughs> like, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Uh, yeah, Steve Zahn plays her, one of her coworkers at the bookstore. Oh, mm-hmm. Wait, Dave Chappelle? Okay, I need to rewatch. Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is, like, is Tom, Tom Hanks' right hand guy. works with him at Fox Books. Yeah. F-O-X. F-O-X. He's got. It's know, a great movie. It's so good. It's just a classic. I, it's a feel good. It's feel good. Mm-hmm. I I would argue that you've got mail. It's the Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, it's to, the best it's of the, the Meg Ryan the, Tom Hanks pairing. The sleeps, Sleepless in Seattle is is a good movie, but it's a little too blah. Well, they never well, they don't interact. They they yeah. they don't really interact yeah. that much, and it's really depressing. And Joe versus and the volcano is just strange. Well, yeah, it's Joe, out there. Yeah, that one is just it's weird, but it's great too. Um, but you've got mail is. Is all right. We've got the formula down. Oh, yeah. The chemistry. We've got the formula down. This movie's good. It's going to keep going. It's going to be relevant forever because well, <laughs> because the man, the small you guy, will always be crushed by corporate America, and <laughs> yes. the small guy yep. will thank she, them for it. It, it yeah. works out for her in the end and then because you, she gets a huge buyout. Your but. tertiary characters like Greg Kinnear, Parker Posey, are excellent yes. too. Greg mm-hmm. Greg Kinnear plays Meg Ryan's boyfriend, who's kind of like this, he romanticizes the past and he loves typewriters and he's a Luddite. Put him and up like, to the mattresses. I love when they go but, to the movie theater and they're watching like a popcorn or a hot dog singing yeah. and she goes, I forgot to vote. And he like gets mad at her and then she yeah, leaves. Yeah, he gets pissed. <laughs> it's just a great, it's yeah. just so many great little it's, moments. Yeah, and Parker Posey, like she should be this villain mm-hmm, type, mm-hmm. but then, you know, at the end she ends up, she's publishing Meg Ryan's book. Like they, yeah. just, they it's well, great. They do a great, great job showing. I need to revisit it. They need to, they do a great job showing that like you know so many other movies they the reason they can't be together is because they're with other people but the other people that they're with are terrible and you're like why For them, but you don't yeah. hate them you're like why but if who you're with is a reflection on you in a lot of ways and so if Meg Ryan was with a a garbage person it it makes you wonder about her character. But she's just with someone who isn't right for her. Yeah. yeah. Both of them are just with people who aren't right for yeah. them. And that's one of the, that's, that's a, a chef's kiss to <laughs> what you can do with a romantic comedy. And it always made me believe that one day I would write a letter to a mysterious man online and we would fall in love and that I would meet him in real life. I wouldn't know it was him. And I'd be like, oh, I really like this guy who I thought was an asshole. And then it turned out to be the actual love of my life. And I'd been talking to him this whole time. Spoiler you know, alert. If you I wanted seen it, it to be you. So, I wanted it to be you. I wanted Listeners, to be you so viewers, badly. start writing Lindsay, um, <laughs> P.O. Box. Well, also the movie, like you just described, it has this great turning point in it, too, because there's the movie leading up to, you know, them not knowing. Yeah. And then there's when when he when he finds out and then 
you begin the second half of the movie, which is the courtship, <laughs> the courtship, the right? Fall in love yeah. Second, yeah. second half is the courtship, or the third act is yeah. the courtship. Him going like, "How am I going to to turn?" It's like, it, I it's love a weird this woman that I works. hate. How am I going to get her yeah. to love me too? While well, still getting like, her fired. Yeah, yeah, while well, still buying her out, <laughs> still ruining her business. I I like at the end of the movie. Spoiler: He shows up, but he and they see each other, but he still brought his dog. Because he's like, listen, if this doesn't work out, at least the dog will have gone for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and Eternal Sunshine, Lindsay, I can't agree more. I love this movie. I love romance where it's like space and time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, people being able to find each other in that way is so romantic. And it's also soft sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a which movie is really cool. I had to watch, I would say, three times. And I was like 16, so give me some credit. I had to watch like three times to be like, wait. What? How does this go? Okay, this and then this, and then this and this and this, and then back to this. Okay, got it. And yeah. even now, when I watch it, sometimes I'll be watching it. I I watched it last week, which is why I thought of it too. I was like, oh, wow. I totally well, and the device that was a thing. Yeah, the device of Kate of Clementine's hair changing color, and you're mm-hmm. like you're tracking time, and you're following her hair yeah. color is really great. Yeah, it's great. I I like how uh, <laughs> I like how I was supposed to see it. It was gonna a free screening at my college. They were gonna do for Eternal Sunshine, and you fell asleep. And a girl I was interested in. No, it was a different type. Oh, okay. A girl I was interested in. I was like, I was like, I was like, hey, do you want to go see this? Uh, and she was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, cool. And then um, and then so we got there, and when we got there, the line was so long. That uh-huh. there was no way we were gonna get in. Oh no! And she was like, she was like, oh well, I'm gonna go do something else then. And then she, oh. she went. Oh, do you want to call her up now? Try sure. to make it again. I honestly don't remember her name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that's how much they meant to me. I'd t- take them in. Or I probably because she never introduced herself. Anyway, and then I went to go see it uh, on my own some other time and fell asleep yeah. during it. But I love this film. Um, what a yeah, cool, what a what a ironic experience to have in that movie yeah Maybe i wasn't you even able to create yet. a memory yeah so can't even see your face when i try and picture i can't even see your face you try to turn All right, around john <laughs> oh, um, <yeah>. john <laughs> i'm interested to hear some of yours on here you oh some good ones another one movie i've never even one movie i've never even heard of is on here what do you mean you're number one. I've never even heard of. Oh, get out of here. I'm not even going to talk about the one. I'm going to talk about Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, that Another I said great... it's Bridget Jones's Diary is what I said. Um, okay, yeah. Number one rom-com of all time. Um, you know, we've all g- had tough years. Um, also, we all want to bang Colin Firth. So, basically, uh, it's right up there. I love British humor. Um, I love when sad people turn their life around. It's very inspiring for me. It's very inspiring. Even though it didn't actually inspire me to do that, it did make me think that I could. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read it, John? I have not. It's on my list. Uh, I'm still getting through a lot of books from middle school. It's a long list. It's been growing for decades. <laughs> okay. All right. 
<laughs> I also uh, really Hugh... adore. Wow. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Getting choked up over there. That was Hugh Grant's also in this movie. Yes. Huge Grant. Hugh Grant. I love it. I was going to say that I also really adore this film and, and the series in general, like of films of Bridget Jones Diary. But I do remember when I was younger, my mom loved this film. And like there was films that my mom and I watched together, but there were some that I was like, I'm not going to watch that because my mom is really into that. And for a long time, Bridget Jones Diary was that film because she loved it. So I didn't watch it until I was in my 20s. Mm. Oh, wow. But I wow. thought it was really after that. I, I, yeah, I, I never was like a huge rom-com person. I've seen a lot and I like a lot and saw this and I was like, oh, this is a fantastic movie. Renee Zellweger. Not British. I Not British. <laughs> and she got a lot of flack at the time for doing it and then ultimately got a lot of praise uh, from people for it. She is just like a completely accessible and charming protagonist. Oh, yeah. Portraying Bridget Jones and her her friends, you know, her little group of friends is, is so fun mm-hmm. in this movie, too. And uh, her mom and dad's like side story oh. about, you know, going through stuff, even though they've been, yeah. you know, together for 30 plus years. And also, there's just so many little moments, too. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I forget what other movie we were talking about that had little moments. But um, is it You've Got Mail? Uh, yeah. like when they go to the, uh, the like luncheon and they, half of them are, t- or a few of them the are told tarts that and it's Vickers. Yeah, Tarts and Vickers and like her dad's there dressed as a uh, Vicar. Um, and he's like, yeah, well at least I'm not as bad as Jerry over there. And it just shows a guy all sad sitting in a huge Pope outfit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so good. It's great. All right. Uh, I will jump in as well. At least you mentioned uh, influential comedies on on you. I I definitely we're talking about that comedy for comedians type of thing. Number five, Wet, Wet Hot five? American Summer. Wet Hot American Summer. Not Tiptoes. John wrote in <laughs> Tiptoes. That wasn't my number five. Um, Wet Hot American Summer was like a movie that reinvigorated for me. Like what? How funny a movie could be, mm-hmm. uh, and it. I mean, it's no coincidence that it basically came out and no one watched it and it was critically panned and everyone hated it. And it wasn't until many years later that it gained a kind of cult appreciation. But um, yeah, Wet Hot American Summer, I just remember the first time we mentioned it on a previous podcast, but like it was one of the those films that you watch. I watched in a group setting, not in a theater, uh-huh. but in a group setting where everyone was bought in to watching and enjoying this movie. And we were all falling on the floor together, laughing at certain points because of how funny it was. And I feel like I can still every, I can always put it on. And because those things come from, even if you know, even if you've seen, you've studied the film, you know, every single inch of it, and you know that they're going to hop out of the van and they just go stand and face the back wall (laughs) on moving. Like it's still funny. It's still funny every single time. Uh, she, She goes, for my pussy. <laughs> like, <laughs> gonna go get lube. It's, it's, it's so funny, and I love, I just, the comedic sensibility of that movie is just perfect. And then it's also a really good movie. Like, it has a really good plot, and it's a feel-good, youthful camp film that I feel like you can watch any time of year. And uh, I, I just love that movie so much. <clears throat> did you watch that when it came out, or did you watch it, like, later, and you're like, oh, yeah, wow, this was... Oh, no, I didn't that? see it... I, I didn't see it in theaters. Um, but I don't think anybody like, did. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. I don't know. I mean, I would have been pretty young when I did see it, so it wouldn't have been too long after it had come on to DVD or something like sure, that. Yeah. But 
I, did, uh, I definitely didn't see it. Did you ever watch it with the audio commentary? Uh, I don't think so. That's it's pretty good. It's uh, it's Michael Showalter, Michael, David Wayne, Michael Showalter, David Wayne, and I think Janine Garofalo, or maybe oh. it's Michael Ian Black. Well, I know Janine that... Garofalo's there. Um, oh. it's uh, it's really interesting, and in that it's what's funny is I used to watch Wet Hot American Summer, and then I'd watch it again with the audio commentary while playing mm-hmm. Fallout New Vegas. Mm-hmm. Just for hours. Well, something and hours. you did a lot because you said you used to do it. <laughs> you should do it once a week. Yeah, just put it on. I know. I would do it a lot. I, I was one of those people that would just watch. You know, certain it's funny the things that it. you would do when you had nothing but loneliness and time. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I used to put on. Um, you know, I, every night I would fall asleep to the episode, an episode of The Office, season one or two, or I would fall asleep to uh, Helm's Deep of Lord of the Rings. Mm. Every single night, and you, you don't, don't like do that either. anymore. And maybe that's why you, you know some nights you have trouble sleeping. Maybe you need to put on Lord of the Rings and go to bed. That's what <laughs> I'm thinking. What are you looking at me for? Right? Um, that's what I'm thinking. But James uh, or Lindsay, when I said I don't think anyone saw it in theaters, I wasn't joking. It no, only made I... it only made three hundred thousand dollars in theaters. Uh, I was just go ahead. You were criticizing. No, it, um. The but the other thing, James, I think I remember, I might be remembering it wrong, was that it was one of the like most buzzworthy films at Sundance that couldn't find someone to buy it because uh. everyone loved it, but mm-hmm. all of the all of the like uh, publishers were like, no one's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it's a great movie, no this. one is going to want to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh well, it found a home, and it got two seasons of a Netflix show and a really yeah. great documentary about the making of. And in two thousand nine, um, we had a themed party, a wet hot American summer themed party. That's all I was gonna say. Oh, so how, what else could you want? Yeah. Did everyone get high on heroin? <laughs> I, I have Paddington you too. You think I remember two thousand nine? <laughs> I love going into town, even for an hour. <laughs> so tell, tell us about Paddington too. Well, uh, first I was gonna talk about. Return to Oz. Ah, um, enough fun. That's the horror movie I was describing. It's not a horror movie. It's a fantasy. And, f- and let me tell you, so like from birth, I loved Wizard of Oz. Loved Wizard of Oz so much. My mother did not like Wizard of Oz. So I, even though it was my favorite thing in the world, I never owned a copy of Wizard of Oz. However, what you need to kind of know about my upbringing is I, nothing was necessarily censored from me. And I also... Um, like was a very, I was a very smart kid. I just was, and I was a pretty voracious reader and and very quick on the pickup very early. And so, I, you know, at, at, you know, by age five, I was just reading on my own. I was just reading, 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 devouring, devouring, devouring. But then every once in a while, you know, there, I can I have memories of like being you know four years old and my mom reading to me. And do you remember in a dark, dark wood that it was like a small compilation of children's scary stories? Mm-hmm. I was like four years old and my mom would read that to me. And there was the story about the girl that always had the ribbon tied around her mm-hmm. neck. Oh, and then and then when she when she was on her deathbed, she told her her love that mm-hmm. that she would reveal to him the secret of the ribbon. And then she untied it and her head fell off. Mm-hmm. My mom would read that to me all the time. And. So things were not really like off limits in my house. And also, and I was, cause I was like four. And then also for some reason I didn't have access to Wizard of Oz, but then my mom would rent us Return to Oz all the time. And I was so young. I was, you know, obviously I'm like five years old, but 
for some reason, we always rent Return to Oz. And it has Mombi in it, who's that witch, that she takes her head off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those two things I always connected together where mm. I was like, maybe she's like this character, <laughs> Lindsay's face. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea she's... anything you're talking about, but I'm oh, intrigued. But but the thing that I I did, and also I think, you know, because I love the Muppets and Wizard and Return to Oz is a lot of these like practical sort of creatures and characters and stuff like that as well. And it was very much in my wheelhouse. But um it, it I, I am very appreciative and thankful that I was exposed very early to these things. So as an adult, I never really shy away from something that's a bit more like scary or grotesque yeah. or out there. Um, and I, I think it kind of, you know, all these weird imaginative things really open up your brain, especially if you expose your brain to them at a very young age in a weird way. It might traumatize you or it might steal you. Wheelers. Yeah. The wheelers are great. Lindsay, you've never seen Return to Oz? Oh, I know what we're doing once Lindsay, we get that vaccine. Lindsay, <laughs> if you like sleeping through the night, it's, uh, like, it's like all the charm and joy of Wizard of Oz. They're like, what if we suck that all, and out, the yeah. life out of it? And it was only the scary things. And it's a young Feruza Balk <laughs> yeah. playing Dorothy. It's a, oh, it's really? a sequel to Wizard oh, of Oz. Yeah. yeah. And God, it starts too where she's she can't sleep. She's having bad dreams. And so her parents, I forget who takes her takes her to like a mental hospital and I think they're going to do electroshock therapy on her and they oh have this God. weird machine and then she runs away in a storm. I don't know. She, she punch did it. Same as Sucker Punch. They stole the plot <laughs> from Sucker Punch. Anyway, uh, that's my thing. I'm thankful that I was exposed to this, totally. but I always wish I could have had Wizard of Oz. Who's uh, next? Meanwhile, my mom loved Wizard of Oz. So every single time they did a reissue of it, uh. she would always buy a new VHS. She'd take out her silver paint mm-hmm. and paint yeah. her little boys into the tin. But she would always she would always tell a story. She would be like, she, we'd watch it over and over and over again, and every single time without fail, she'd go, you know, the original Tin Man almost died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least I, it's not on my list, but similarly, something I was exposed to at a very young age was Gremlins. Um, oh yeah. And I had recurring nightmares for the next eleven years. Oh so. no. Gremlins, I feel like Gremlins really gets bad, though, towards the end. Like, there's the point where she's like, let me tell you the story about how my dad got caught in the fireplace because he wanted to surprise us for Christmas. And then we smelled his rotting body there. And you're like, what does this have to do with Gremlins? <laughs> and then and then at the end, when Spike is grabbing the fountain and yeah. all his skin melts away and he's screaming. Yeah, I think it was a combo anyway. of that and Braveheart. Uh, the hanging people. Well, before, John, anyway, before, saw... before you get into your next film, we want to hear some sponsor recommendations from our sponsor's favorite holiday. What What are we thankful for? Sponsor it is. What are we thankful for? Sponsors. Otherwise, this show wouldn't exist. So uh, let's hear from a couple of them right now. The holidays are here. Have you made your wish list yet? Because our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year, Manscaped. The best in men's below and above belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. Included in this package is the Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer, which is waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary blade dual system. That sounds real scary, but I promise you it is not. It is safe for you. Um, Also, just a heads up, 
79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. So why not use the best tools for the job? That's also included. Lest us not forget, the most important part is taking care of your down belows. Um, so whether or not it's for your dad, I don't know that you wanna really think about that, but say, maybe you do. Whether or not it's for your dad, yourself, or uh, someone you care about, the Manscaped Performance Package is going to be the perfect gift. Don't forget, you're gonna get your famous liquid formulations. That's the Crop Preserver, which is a deodorant for your nethers. Um, the Crop Reviver, which actually, I guess, tones everything down there. I'm not sure what that means but I know I want it to look good. Also, you can get the performance package now to receive two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag, which means you can take it on the go. If you gotta go to a family's place for the weekend, you gotta quarantine there or whatever, make sure you're bringing all your, uh, your performance package products with you. Also, you're gonna get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com slash filmhouse, so, just a quick reminder, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash filmhouse. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash filmhouse. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. Do you think Santa shaves his? I don't want to think about it. This episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Baby, oh baby, I love talking about Mac Weldon. Just a quick update in my life before I tell you about the amazing deal they have for you. I have officially converted all of my underwear to Mack Weldon, and I've never been more proud of any accomplishment in my whole life, with the exception of maybe marrying my beautiful wife, who only loves me because of the underwear that I underwear. Yeah! <laughs> Mack Weldon is a premium men's essential brand that believes in smart designs and high-quality fabrics. Mack Weldon offers a one-stop shop for men's basics. That's socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shorts, whatever you need. They've got you covered, um, unlike the, the assortment of department store brands that make up most other people's top drawers. All of Mack Weldon's basics have a consistent fit that you can count on. I love Mack Weldon. And again, I talked about how I fully converted my underwear, but at some point, some point in my life, maybe years down the road, if it takes that long, I want to convert everything, all of my basics to Mack Weldon's. I have my Weekender shorts. I absolutely love them. I have Mack Weldon shirts. The hoodies are so soft. All the Mack Weldon stuff is so good. You're also not just gonna look great in Mack Weldon. Their underwear, socks, and shirts perform well. So I I only work out in Mack Weldon's. That, that goes for everything because if you're gonna get sweaty, you're gonna get stinky, you wanna have Mack Weldon's on because they have Mack Weldon technology that can prevent you from getting stinky down there, or at least prevent the underwear from getting stinky down there. Score big this year um, with Cyber Monday and get 20% off your first order at MacWeldon.com slash filmhouse and enter promo code filmhouse. Plus, if you spend $75 or more, you'll get a free silver mask. Um, that's 20% off your first order. Offer code, use the URL and promo code, get in there. Uh, MacWeldon.com slash filmhouse. And we're back, John. You were going to tell us about um, something or... Nope. Oh, you weren't. Okay. One of your done. movies. Oh, your oh, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just no budding. Um, that's the opposite <laughs> of yes and. It still works. You still get there. You um, get the comedic punchline. So another thing on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's hard. I can't. I'm not sure which. Oh, which. Should I do one or three? Uh, do one. Three it is. Um, <laughs> no, I'll do one. Uh, no, I'll do three. Jackie Chan, entire 90s filmography. 
Never seen any. I'm of telling them. you, how. What's your What's your favorite? If you if there's a standout for you, I haven't rewatched all of them, but I remember my top three being Rumble in the Bronx. Of course, I feel like that was a lot of people's first. Well, yeah, as his like big mainstream yeah, U.S. breakout. Um, Twin Dragons, uh, and then uh, Legend Russia. of the Drunken Master, the '94 one. Mm. Um, those three kind of stand out for me, but they're all great. Meals on Wheels, Project I mean, who A. Am I? Two. Who am I? Is oh I wait, one oh, of the best ones. Super Cop. What am I thinking? Super Cop. Super Cop. Best one. Super Cop is great. Super Cop was the first rated R movie I saw in theaters. Oh. And I don't know why it was rated R. I still don't to this day. I don't know why Super Cop was rated R. But yeah, what? I don't know what's in it unless I'm misremembering. But well, it was yeah. the '90s. Maybe it's because the grandpa dressed up as a woman. Yeah, I must have been the grandpa. Um, what? that's what gave me my lifelong crush on Michelle Yeoh. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, who am I has some yeah rated R. Um, who am I has some great fight scenes. I because like I always like when he stops and has a confrontation. Rumble in the Bronx is really fun, except it definitely felt like they had to make it goofier for, like, an American audience. So they have, like, the whole goofy extended family. And then it feels oh, like yeah. it's less about him fighting. Like, he's less of a competent martial artist and more of a, um, like, a, an eccentric foreigner who just happens to come from China, who just happens to know how to do acrobatics and martial well, arts. Yeah. I I hear you, but mm. I feel like a lot of Jackie Chan's films and what I enjoy about them is that he's often playing like an underdog type character. Not in not in Super Cop or you know, there's a lot of movies where he plays like a secret agent. Um, mm. but like Rumble in the Bronx, Drunken Master, a number of others, um, he's kind of just like someone who stumbles into uh yeah. this situation. Um and that's where, it, because he, he doesn't have a history in martial arts. He has a history in uh, Chinese theater. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing like this the stage stuff with, you know, the very um, exaggerated movements and motion and everything. And mm-hmm. so his fight sequences, although they are founded in, you know, martial arts and fighting, they're a lot more about the spectacle. And so that's why he's always, you know, instead of it just being two people fighting, he'll pick up a ladder. Or he'll like, you know, he'll, yeah. there'll be paint buckets and he'll grab a paint bucket. Like, uh, uh, How To With John Wilson has an episode about scaffolding. And then he talks about like Jackie Chan constantly fighting with scaffolding. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's always fighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's what I always loved about it was how creative the fight scenes always were. Because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't just like, what cool moves can we do? It was also like, how can we use the unique environment that the fight scene is occurring in? Um, yeah. How can we put and him in danger boopers. where it's like, and all the stunts he does, like, that was some of the best parts of watching Jackie Chan movies. Well, not, you know, not the best parts, but it was always exciting getting to the credits and then them showing Jackie Chan just get fucked up. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. And what a positive man. Totally. Yeah. He's got I, his, Okay. He's yeah. Got his, I know what you're going to He's got his stuff. Does he? I don't yeah, know any okay, of his well, stuff. He's, okay. He's, listen, he's... It, his country has treated him well, and he's loyal to his country, and oh. that's what James is going to say. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. What? It's, um, it's China. What? Listen, get, let's move on. It's worked out for him. It's really worked well. out for him. Um, yeah, 
I, I, uh, Jackie Chan movies are, are great. Lindsay, if you haven't seen any of them, they are, they are super fun movies to like, put oh, on yeah. they, they basically start and then they don't stop. And if they're <laughs> like roller coaster rides without feeling like some mm-hmm. of the transformers, like those exhausting ones that by the end of it, you're just tired. Cause every single new scene is like, you're blown away by some sort of human skill. There's mm-hmm. in, this isn't nineties, but I think it's the first police story where like, they there's a bus and then like he stops the bus and then the stunt is literally just two guys jumping off the top of a double or jumping out the top window of a double decker bus onto the street below like they just know how to land and not die Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah like that's the stunt and they just they just set it up on a tripod and they film it and you're like oh my god that's amazing yeah um and also if that doesn't sell you Lindsay. They're also extremely hilarious. They're not like uh, oh, yeah, you know a lot of Jet Li films where he's very serious. I've got a, I've got a collar on, and whenever it gets taken off, I learn how to fight. Um, or like I'm saving a prostitute, you know. I, I if yeah. I could interject though, there's a ton of Jet Li movies in China where they do actually let him act and not just be a stoic um, martial arts dude. There's a lot of him. fun Jet Li comedies. So really? it sucks because he I never, he never got to he never got to do that here so much. Mm. Um, but anyway. I'd love to see those. Uh, the only oh, one from China that I saw was like, it was the story of, um, who's like the Chinese Robin Hood? It's like the, it's like the, an equivalent know. where like the underdog story, I forget who it mm-hmm. is, but it was a movie like that where it was just so long. Mm-hmm. I remember not enjoying it at 13 years old. <laughs> well, no conclusions had there. Uh, but another, another movie on my list is Paddington 2. Uh, oh, wait, you tried to too. segue into that earlier, and then James threw to me. Thanks, James. No, no, no. Go I just changed my pick. I changed my oh, pick. Oh, but oh. Uh, Padding- Paddington 2 is a 100% film. There is nothing wrong with this film. It is a really? perfect film. It's perfect. It is a perfect Have you not flawless seen Paddington film. 2, John? I have not. Wait, at least would you say it. that it's better than... You haven't seen it, Lindsay? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know what we're doing after we get this vaccine. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> it is a perfect film, and it is uplifting. It is empowering to the human spirit. Mm-hmm. Not only is it stylistic, it's got great acting in it. It's got great writing. It will make you feel good about the world. It will make you feel optimistic. Mm-hmm. I am so thankful that a film like this exists because... It's funny. It doesn't need to be funny. It could just be kind of a more paint by numbers kids film. Mm-hmm. But there's so much um, thought into this movie mm-hmm. and charm. Hugh Grant uh, in Paddington <gasps> Two finally gets to act. Hugh Grant sort in of relegated. It? <laughs> he's in it, and uh, he's he's wonderful in it. He I feel like he got you know kind of pigeonholed into the romantic leading man man role. Mm-hmm. But this is Hugh Grant getting to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Where can I watch yeah. it? You That's can a buy great it. Question. You can pay money. Yeah, pay, pay money, money. Whatever, rent it on Amazon. whatever they're charging, hey, it's worth every penny. Um, when James Hulu, <laughs> when James and I saw it, um, we walked out of the theater, and then we kind of just like had a moment of silence and sort of looked at each other. And then I went, "I can't think of anything wrong. I can't think of any problems with nope. it." And he was like, "I can't <laughs> it's either." It's just it's so it's wonderful. Flawless. Yeah, so wonderful. Question. Um, yep. Are y'all to everyone, including Lindsay? Um, 
Are y'all the kind of people that when the credits go up, you do like a back handspring out of your chair and sprint out of the theater? Or do you like to use that credits moment as to kind of reflect on the film? I think it depends on the film, right? Yeah, it depends on the film. It depends on the film. What about you, John? I always sit there till the end. Yeah, because you, you never do. know if there's going to be a post credit sequence and Nick Cage is yeah, going to. Oh wait, Nick Fury is going to. At the end of Paddington Two, Nick Fury comes out. <laughs> Paddington there is, will return. There is Grab a credit sequence in Paddington Two, so don't leave. Um, don't leave the theater of your home while you're watching it. Um, but uh, yeah, I go to mediastinger.com, or that's what I used to do when movies were a thing. Uh, um. <laughs> Um, uh, Padding- Paddington's motto is um, if we're kind and polite oh my god now I'm going to butcher it I think it's if we're kind and polite the world will be right or all will be right he's just he's just such Optimism. a great moral like a morally wonderful character but in a movie like that you'd worry that there's nowhere to go but he still has so much to learn and, the, and, uh-huh. and he, along the way he teaches those around him in his community and his world that they have much to learn as well. And the cinematography is <laughs> Oh, it's so the director the director of both Paddingtons, writer director of both huh. Paddingtons is the dude who worked on uh, Mighty Boosh. Oh He's yeah. He's like a Mighty Boosh director. Oh, really? So like dude, that, it yeah. has it has a surreal vibe when it's appropriate. Like it definitely knows how to get into a very delightful And who's thing. the Gleason that's in it? Brendan. 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 Is in it. I'm looking yeah. at his Wonderful. face. He's a chef. Or no, oh, I'm man. sorry. Do I need to watch Paddington before okay. I watch Paddington 2? You, you probably don't need to, but you might as well because Paddington 1 is also really great. Well, not I think perfect. Paddington it's... 2 is perfect. Yeah. Paddington has not... 98% on uh, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and Paddington 2 has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's that's basically that's basically accurate. But they're both that's on the same much. streaming platform, so you know, I got I got holidays, so maybe by the time people are watching this, I would have already seen it. And all the She's gonna be Jackie playing World Chan of Warcraft. <laughs> hey, I can multitask. <laughs> you can multitask. I play MMOs and watch movies all the time in college. Um, Elise, and you're saying Paddington 2, perfect film. Are you saying that it's better than Silence of the Lambs? They're perfect in different ways. I just watched Silence of the Lambs last week for the first time ever. It's so good. It's so good. If, if watchability is, is it... It, well, I would also say Paddington 2 is a flawless film. So there's different categories. We've already determined that the perfect film is Godfather Part 2. Um, but there's flawless films, and the movie lack, has no flaws. It's a, the only thing about Paddington 2 is that it's just such a feel-good, it's a candy movie mm-hmm. that, like, you know, you're going to feel better about your life in the world, but you might not yeah. learn anything about Mm-hmm. humanity by yes. watching it so, so that that's all we can say about it mm-hmm. is just just need to watch it and love it you yeah. have more movies i do and this is another a feel great movie for Whoa. me something that i could oh go ahead John. i was just a little button because you mentioned hugh grant um if you want Speaking a to experience a hilarious time um you should watch love actually with the audio commentary because it's basically just the director uh and the other people that are there and Hugh Grant's there, and it's all of them oh. just shitting on Hugh Grant and saying that Colin Firth is better. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's British, so they're doing it in yeah. jest, but, like, it's so funny because, like, whenever Colin Firth is there, they're talking him up, and then whenever Hugh Grant's on, they're like, I don't know, that was the only usable take we had. And things like that. <laughs> like, it's, it's so funny. Um, 
I, I would just jump in real quick and I'm just going to, we don't have a lot of time left. We only have like eight minutes left, but I just want to, I'll just go through mine real quick. Um, the Birdcage, um, I think is, is one of the Amazing. greatest comedies. I love, have you not seen that either, Lindsay? No, we've been trying to get her I to know, watch it. I know, I oh, know. Right, Listen, right. I'm sorry. I'm a TV head, okay? I watch a lot she is. of, bird- I binge TV, so I don't watch a lot of movies, but I'm putting them all on my list. I got four days. This, I'm going to watch Birdcage, I promise. This is, this is a bold, a bold claim, but it may be my favorite Robin Williams film. Even though Robin <sighs> Williams the is the straight man. "Quote unquote," he's still absolutely hilarious in that movie. Yeah. But no bicentennial he's a straight man. man to to uh, Nathan Lane's our photo? more. I pierced the toast. Yeah, wacky character. But that movie is just fantastic. I think you know socially it was ahead of its time uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, and the only problem with it is a miscast of the son who comes off like a real asshole. Um, especially as the movie ages, he looks even worse and worse. Um, but just an amazing in the setting in Miami and like Gene Hackman coming there. It's just, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. I love the whole thing. Um, and then also loving the whole thing. Royal Tenenbaums is one of my all time favorite films. Me too. And I didn't put it on my list cause you had it on yours. It's one of my all time favorite list. films. It makes me sad at the end, but I could basically put it on and watch again back to the Shawshank, the uh, uh, the Tommy Boy, or the, not the Tommy Boy, what? the uh, You've Got Mail, like the chapters mm-hmm. aspect of different things, high fidelity and stuff. This movie has literal chapters in it because it's fake adapted from a book, and uh, and it's just so comforting. It feels like it's a perfect the the setting in in New York feels very Thanksgiving y. Very warm homes, and then it's cold outside, and uh, and so it's just a very very beautiful film, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I just absolutely love it, and I could always watch it. And then my last thing is just Bondathon, oh. Bondathon baby, man, oh man. When I was young, and I would be off for those four days, and they'd have Bondathon going on, which was something that a television channel would do, where they would basically. Uh, marathon marathon the channel would only show james bond movies all the james bond movies 24 7 for like three and a half days and i would i felt so good because i was like i always have something to watch Mm -hmm. and i would just yeah it's basically a screensaver for me or just boom put on bondathon oh live and let dies on and i watch it and then be followed by you only live twice and then be followed by pierce brosnan and it was just it was like bond on shuffle and i love i love all the bond films i was watching you fell asleep last night i put on from russia with love did you yeah oh Um, wow that's it they call me james bond is that timothy dalton no (laughs) um but I love the Bond movies. I love, I, and what I would do is I'd have it on, and then as the movie was on, I would read about the film on the internet. Like I'd read on Wikipedia about the making oh. of it because there's so much information about it. And so I now forever associate Bondathon with Thanksgiving, mm. and I just it it grew what I was already a fan of into Great just picks. a huge appreciation for the whole franchise. Not uh, uh, special thanks also to 007 Days of Christmas. Which is something that ended up being adopted later, um, but Bondathon was first. So, have you read any of them? Uh, I have not ever actually. Oh no, I read the the Tomorrow Never Dies novelization. Wait, that's and backwards. I am currently 
I am currently listening to uh, a new one, and it's Mr. called Solo. No. No. <laughs> it's called it's called Professor Solo. Yes. So I'm listening to a James Bond novel right now. We should write a James Bond parody called Professor Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. But yeah, I mean the books are the books. All the stuff that I've read from the books are essentially like the dude equivalent of Twilight in a lot of ways. <laughs> It's like describing the sound of sports cars and uh, which ways, which way women's, women's nipples are pointing. Mm-hmm. I, I read, so. well, I read part of Dr. No and I didn't, there wasn't really any of that. I didn't. I mean, that think. was an old one too. So it wasn't. Oh. Central, but, but anyway, those are, those are mine. Nice. License to I kill. Had, oh. <laughs> also good. I had to leave their own on my list, which I recorded off of TV when I was probably eight and something happened to the recording, so I was missing the third act of the film. Oh. Um, okay. And so, but then when I was a kid, I mean, I had very few movies to watch besides the couple that my parents would buy and then the library catalog. So I would watch it anyways over and over again. And it wasn't until years later that I ultimately watched the third act of the film. But I am thankful for this movie because at that young age, there weren't really many of these like women ensemble mm. flicks. Mm. Um and it was really great in that respect and also because it had nothing to do with like romance. It was just yeah. these women that had a passion for something and did it and persevered mm-hmm. through people not wanting them there to do it. There was that one romance, and... the karaoke romance. Oh, right. oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is the karaoke romance. And then I guess there's kind of, you know, Gina Davis and Tom Hanks have a respect, but I was like, that's she's the best thing. Holman. That's the best, one of the best things about it, though, is it feels like it. it's, it yeah. feels like that in any other movie that would be the... Mm-hmm through line but it's really not i also have park chan wook films on this because to me that was sort of the gateway to appreciating international movies uh was his films mm. and i a lot of his films i i truly love and thirst is like one of my favorite movies i still haven't seen thirst sadly really good. i need to watch it really good oh weird i i looked up park chan wook's imdb and we're doing the exact same pose <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, wait. Okay, I've watched Old Boy Joint Security Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I guess the Sympathy Trilogy, but I don't think I've seen yeah. any of his other films. You haven't seen The Handmaiden? I haven't seen Handmaiden, I haven't seen Stoker, I haven't seen Thirst. Great. Handmaiden's real good. Stoker is okay. Okay. I did not see, I did not finish Stoker. Stoker, Stoker, from the, from the actor of Prison Break comes Stoker. What? <laughs> Anyway. Um, are we are we wrapping up our lists? Should yeah, I wrap well, up my uh, Lindsay, list? I didn't have well, any other Lindsay? films because all I was gonna say is I I watch a lot of television. I love. I think that a lot of television is made very much like films. Uh, you know, they're they can be really cinematic and super intense, and um, I just like being able to watch little chapters one at a time if I feel like watching one. Or if I feel like watching seven and then I'm up till four in the morning. So that's more of my speed. Um, the only other title I had on there was 30 Rock, but that's just because that's I'm grateful for 30 Rock because it made me realize that I could as a woman go into a career and be like in charge of something like that, like, uh, you know, comedy, like a comedy variety show. And and it's sort of what led me to working on YouTube is just doing those little bits on YouTube and. I'm just grateful for that for that show and and Liz Lemon and shows like it like Parks and Rec and it's great. Mm-hmm. 
That's all I was going to say. I don't have any more films. Sorry I didn't watch films. I was watching too much TV, okay? <laughs> so defensive. Uh, all right, my last one. I'm a ones. film house. Where's TV house? Uh, the early Richard Linkletter films, not Slacker, but uh, Before Sunrise, Days and Confused, Suburbia, um, those were films that kind of showed me that a movie didn't have to have, like, a huge plot for it to be interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, those are based, those are those movies, a lot of them uh, occur over a night or over a period of time, like over a day, where you're just mm-hmm. kind of getting a glimpse in these people's lives. Um, and, you know, there are kind of arcing plots and things that occur, but that's it's more just about interesting characters and just kind of mm-hmm. glimpses into these people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. And that really helped kind of expand my view on what cinema and storytelling uh, can be. Um, and then uh, number one, th- I, sh- I actually should put this side by side. I had Men in Black because that's a movie that growing up, I didn't wear out the VHS, but I might as well have because I've watched mm-hmm. it so many times. John, I've never seen it. Oh, no, I, I, oh, I, I have seen some of it. I'm thinking of Independence Day I've never seen. Independence Day is okay. Which I, I've never seen both of those. And I, I was at a party where Joel, I told Joel that I hadn't seen one, and then he screamed out, you haven't seen Independence Day? <laughs> Independence, <laughs> Independence but Day. Canadian. <laughs> I don't think I've seen Men in Black. Independence Day is Independence more serious. Days. Like, yeah, it's fine. I would say Men in Black is, is way better. I don't think I've Men seen it. Black, I think Men in Black is better. Men in Black has my favorite villain of all time, which is... Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, no, yeah. don't do that. Uh, what, D'Onofrio, what's his first name? Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio um, playing an alien in, like, a human skin suit. Like, he, he you know, he well, kills a guy yeah. and, put, and climbs inside the suit. And so he's... Walking around like this the whole time, and slowly the like skin mm-hmm. is rotting and stuff. It's so weird. Oh, uh, and also, I mean, he's also a bug. I feel like, like I felt like I too, got all so. I needed to from the music video, and I was like, okay, yeah, I get you would think, yeah. you would think. I mean, Mikey has singing... a much more prominent role in the music video than he does in the film. <laughs> uh, but Elise, I think you'd really like it. It's so funny, um, and uh, there are a lot of great characters, and it's just like Will Smith. Um, was one of my favorite comedians growing up. Or not even, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, because I, I would watch Fresh Prince constantly, and then Men in Black was one of my favorite movies. He's just such charm. Well, Men, Men in Black was, like, the one of the first movies that Barry Sonfeld did after Adam's Family. Oh, really? He did Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values, and then I think Men in Black. Is that why that one like, alien looks like Lurch? Probably. But it's, that's why it's so stylized. Like, he's such mm-hmm. a great... Like, there's certain directors that, that go... We talked about Boz Lerman, who's probably... He can only go stylized. Or, like, yeah. Wes Anderson, who's only stylized. But this feels more like a Paddington 2, where it can play it cool when it needs mm-hmm. to, but then when it needs to when it needs to really get weird, it gets weird. Men in Black. So, Men in, in Black. Black, yeah. Um, and... I think it's also a great case for how not everyone can, like, you can't just create a formula for something and then it can be recreated because, like, Men in Black 2 and 3 suck. (laughs) (laughs) 
too. Oh well, mm, uh, they they are they are pale in comparison. Well, they to pale what? in comparison, but you could also see how there was like studio influence because I'm sure that whoever was making the movie, whoever was making two, is not like we need to give these roaches more screen time or whatever those mm-hmm. little slug guys are. They're it, like ah, two yeah. an hour, huh? <laughs> yeah. It bought into its own memes or whatever. Yeah. Like, it started to meme itself. And they were like, you know what we need more? The third one was like, you know what we need more screen time for? The dog that talks. Yeah. Like or, all uh, the support. Oh, no, it's a ball chinian. And he pulls down his turtleneck oh, and he's yeah. got balls on his chin. Yeah. Uh, come on. Uh, come on, man, black. But I do uh, like the point where Tommy Lee Jones go. He goes, he goes, baby doll. It's not, it's not, you don't cry because it rains. It rains because you're sad. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, and then she flies away in like a bubble and it's raining. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, although I love Bismarcky, the fact that him and Will Smith had a beatbox conversation and it was oh, like, yeah. beatboxing is an alien language. It's like, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's too much. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, they definitely. I've seen yeah, that in black. A, I've seen that one. Okay. Nice. Nice. That's one point to Lindsay. Left a, it's to a Lindsay. left an impression, clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like Men in Black 1 is such a great, it, it really does a great job Men of creating this world and having it feel realistic while also just being wacky and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the ones after it, it's like, these are just gimmicks. Like, <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it believes its own hype. Yeah. Um, well, I, now, speaking please. of believing our own hype. Oh, wait. Trimmers yeah, as well. Trimmers oh, as tremors, well. Okay. Trimmers is great. Okay, go on. The first Trimmers? Yeah, the first one. Reba McIntyre? Uh, okay, another, I guess another series where the first one. We just ended on Men in Black because that's the one I've seen. So let's I was going to say, you know, we were well, all I didn't want to talk about five. it. I was just mentioning it. I'm just kidding. We all, all asked to bring five films. Lindsay brought two films and then two other and concepts. delightful other... <laughs> Uh, John arts. brought about 12 films spread across numerous slashes. Uh, I'd say more about 20. I brought Jackie an entire Chan's franchise and at least brought an entire director's catalog. Um, so we failed at this task. But either way, it's clear that we have a lot of movies to be thankful for. And I'm, I, you know, I love what the impressions and the vibes and the feelings. And honestly, the holiday season, Thanksgiving and stuff is something I associate very heavily with watching TV Oh my gosh, John! Oh no! The truth comes out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Cut the show! Cut the show! Uh, Cut the show! Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>